Well, today we will go ahead and take a look at Romans chapter 11. So please go ahead and turn your Bibles there to Romans chapter 11. And like we often do, let's actually go back on in the chapter 10 and we'll read our way on into chapter 11 here this morning. So we'll start reading in Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. Romans 10, 13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed, their sound has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, did Israel not know? First Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Verse 1, chapter 11, I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. So Paul comes to this place here where he poses a somewhat rhetorical question to them that as we have seen him do so many times in this letter, he quickly answers uh, the question himself. And he says, has God cast away his people? And he says, certainly not. Paul says, I am one of his people. He says, I was of the tribe of Benjamin. So how could God have utterly cut off the Jews if he was working through the life of a Jew like Paul? That's what Paul's pointing out here. How can that be, right? So God, at the time of Paul's writing here, had not given up on the Jewish people, just like he hasn't given up on any unsaved person in our day and age, whether Jew or Gentile. As long as a person has breath, I believe that God, by His Spirit, through the gospel, is is trying to reach that person. Verse 2 says, God has not cast away His people whom He foreknew. Or do you not know what the Scripture says of Elijah? How he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So Paul, again, takes them back to Scripture here. He brings up Elijah, 
who Paul actually had something in common with. Elijah, like Paul, was persecuted by his own countrymen. And Israel as a whole had rejected the Messiah, but there was and is a remnant of the Jews that embraces the gospel of Jesus Christ. But notice there that it says that Elijah prayed against Israel. This this Elijah did because with the people of Israel in that time, they were really, really bad to say the least. They killed the prophets of God for one, right? And Elijah thought that God had cast them off and that he was the only one left serving God. But God showed Elijah that he wasn't alone, that he did not cast off his people and that there was a remnant or a small group of others out there. And God can and does work through a small group of people. God's not looking for big numbers, massive buildings and full of people and such. God can do His work through individuals, through each and every one of us in small groups. He's looking for faithfulness, right? He's looking for those that will walk in faith and obedience to His Word. That's what God calls us to, to be a people of faith to be doers of of the work, right? Not just hearers of the word, right? Paul continues in verse 5, Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. So God, again, he's saying, God didn't utterly uh, forget about Israel, his people. By God's grace, they were his elect. They were the ones by whom he would do his great work on the earth and through whom he would bring the Messiah. Israel was God's elect, God's chosen people. And verse 6 says, And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. So there Paul brings them right back to the issue of works, right, which the Jews struggled with. They thought they were righteous by the works that they did, by the things that they did. But God, Paul's pointing out, no, God chose Israel, this group of people, this remnant of those group of people, as his elect by his grace. They are the elect, okay? And he chose them by his grace. He gave them unmerited favor, It wasn't something that they received because they deserved it or they earned it or they were so special. They did nothing to deserve deserve the favor of God. The gospel came to them not because of their works, but because of God's grace. And of course, the same thing holds true today as the gospel goes forth throughout the world, even to this day. It's a result of the grace of God. Nobody deserves it. Nobody deserves this unmerited favor, this opportunity to come to salvation in Jesus Christ, right? So today, the the Gentile, that is the non-Jew, salvation comes just as it did for the Jews, just as it does for for a Jew, and that's the result of God's grace, not because of our own righteousness, not because our good outweighs our bad. And you know, most the majority of the people in the world, that's how they live, it seems. That, well, if my good outweighs my bad, in the end, I'll be all right with God and everything will be fine. 
but that's not the case, and that's not why God offered us the opportunity to repent and to be saved, because our good outweighs our bad. He did not offer us the opportunity to repent and be saved because we were deserving of that opportunity. It is simply because He is merciful that we can repent and be saved, and that only through faith in Jesus Christ. And it was the same as God offered this to these Israelites, the the remnant of these Jews, and that's what Paul is pointing out here. What then? Verse 7, what then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. So you see, Paul says, what then? In other words, so what am I saying here? What's going on here? And then he tells us what he's saying here. And that is, is that Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. So not Israel, all of Israel as a whole didn't receive it, right? But there was an elect group of those, a remnant. Just like Elijah thought he was alone, he was the only one, but no, there was a, another group out there that God had that Elijah wasn't alone. But the rest of them were blinded right? Or that word blinded is the word hardened, okay? So again, Israel as a whole, that is as a whole nation, the nation of Israel had not obtained what they were looking for, but a remnant, a small group of them had. God's saving mercy has been extended not to Israel as a whole, but to the elect among Israel, and they did indeed receive it, and the rest were hardened because of the fact they didn't receive it. God foreknew that some of the Jews would receive their Messiah. That's what he foreknew. And they were his elect. But he also knew that a large majority of them would not receive it. And as a result, they hardened their hearts or they were blinded to the truth. Verse 8 says, just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear to this very day. So a spiritual stupor can be uh, likened to a deadness to spiritual things, right? To this very day, even, the Jews as a whole do not see Jesus as the Messiah. They're still looking for their Messiah. But the fact of the matter is is that we can say the same thing about the Gentile world today as well. People don't see Jesus today for who He really is. Their hearts are hardened and they are dead to spiritual things as well. Most people have to come to a place of brokenness within before they come to recognize who Jesus really is to them. It is simply the hardness of people's hearts that keep them from the truth of God and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today we live in a time where whosoever will can come to Jesus and be saved. God orchestrated His plan of salvation by bringing the gospel to this elect group of Jews first and then offering it to all the world. But many people just love the world too much to leave it behind. And Jesus requires us to do just that in order to follow Him, to love Him more than we love this world and to leave this world behind. 
Verse 9, and David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and bow down their back always. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now remember here, Paul is talking about right the, the non-elect of the children of Israel. He says, have they stumbled that they should fall, that is be utterly cast away by God? And he says, certainly not. God is not utterly casting them away, right? Because remember, the elect, they received the gospel. But he's talking about this other group here, and he's saying God has not utterly cast them away, but as a result of this non-remnant, this uh, non-elect portion of the Jews rejecting their Messiah, salvation has gone out to the Gentiles. It was all God's plan. God had the whole plan of salvation worked out and under control. It's all part of God's marvelous plan. Verse 12 says, Now if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. Now, let's mark this page and look at a few different scriptures in the book of Acts. Um, So Acts is uh, right before the book of Romans, one book back. And uh, let's turn to chapter 13 first, Acts chapter 13. I want to read that verse 12 again from Romans. Now, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? And in Acts chapter 13 and down in verse 46, so Acts 13, 46, It says, Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. Okay, so do you see what's happening there? Paul was preaching, Paul and Barnabas preaching the gospel to all the Jews. The, the, some received it, the elect received it, some did not. They're kind of, in a way, it seems like they're fed up here, but they're saying, hey, it was necessary that we did this, that we preached the gospel to the Jew first, but now we're going to the Gentile. Then if you look at Acts chapter 18, Acts chapter 18, verse 5 and 6. It says, When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I go to the Gentiles. So, same thing. Same thing's happening here. I want you to look at it one more time. Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. 
Acts chapter 28, starting down in verse 25. 28, 25. It says, So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word. This is what Paul said. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. That word turn, repent, right? so that I should heal heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles and they will hear it. So time and time again, we see in the book of Acts that salvation was going to Israel first, right? To the Jew first. And then it went on to the Gentiles because their hearts were hardened, their eyes were blinded to it. Again, not all of them, the elect group of them did receive it. Paul tried time and time again, but again, a portion of them, not all of them, they had a spirit of stupor and they were hardened to the message of salvation in Jesus Christ. But this benefited the Gentiles, all the non-Jewish people, you and I, all of us here today, because the gospel went forth and continues to go forth through all the world to everyone, right? Now, as we flip back now to Romans chapter 11, Paul will now direct some words to the Gentiles in this letter here. In verse 13, Romans 11, 13, he says, For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, right? So even though we just saw in Acts how Paul tried so many times to reach out to the Jews, he cared so much to to see them saved, but Paul understood that he was an apostle to the Gentiles as well, just as Jesus told him that he would be. Jesus told Paul when Paul met Jesus what he was going to do, where he was going to go. But he continues on in verse 13 and says, I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? So again, Paul's heart was to reach the Jews with the gospel because he knew God's plan in all of this, right? If the Jews' rejection of the gospel had the wonderful benefit of Gentiles getting to hear the message, then the Jews' acceptance of the gospel would be even a more powerful thing. So he didn't want to give up. He wasn't giving up on them. He kept wanting to preach. These were his countrymen. These were his people, right? And he had a hope and a desire that they would still come to believe. 
And he says in verse 16, for if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. So Paul is saying, hey, if the first fruit was that holy and good, how good would it be if all the Jews were to come to Jesus? In other words, how nice it is that this group, this elect, him being one of them, him being a Jew that came to Jesus, that is, how wonderful this is and how awesome this is. And look what God done. Go back and, and look at the book of Acts as a whole and look all that God was doing through this people. How wonderful that is. And if this was so good and so holy, how much more wonderful would it be if all would come? You know, I just think of that just in this little small group here, right? If we sit around and we fellowship around the Word of God and we hear the Word of God and we grow in love with God and we grow in our relationship with God and we know Him more as a people, how wonderful it will be if all the world knows, if all your family knows, if all your friends know, if everyone around can know the gospel and can know the goodness of God, right? And again, we Gentile believers need to keep in mind the things coming up here in verse 17, which says, and if some of the branches were broken off and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them and with them became a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. So picture a tree here, branches being broken off, but yet being grafted back in, right? And he's speaking to Gentiles, right? And he's saying, if some of the, and if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them. In other words, salvation went to the Jews. It was for the Jews first, and we've been grafted into that, right? He says, do not boast against the branches. Remember, he's speaking to Gentiles and warning Gentiles here, right? But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you, okay? So we can't forget that. Christianity started with the Jews, right? And we have benefited from God becoming flesh as one of them. And Paul's saying, I'm not giving up on them. I'm not giving up on anybody with the gospel, right? You will say then, verse 19, you will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said. Because of unbelief they were broken off. And you stand by faith. Do not be haughty right? But fear, right? Don't be arrogant. Don't be proud. Don't act like, you know, you've taken the place of somebody, you know? So the word of God goes to great lengths here to keep us Gentiles in our place. We stand by faith, but they were predestined. They were elect. Unfortunately, today, there is much anti-Semitism, you know, much anti-Jewish thoughts and actions going on in our world, and, and unfortunately, even in many Christian churches, right? And this is a result of Christians, so-called Christians, being ignorant to the Word of God and forgetting our roots, forgetting God, how God worked, you know, how God's plan unfolded. We're Gentiles. We're not called to be Jewish. But yet we can't be arrogant and haughty 
as if we've replaced something or we've taken over a spot or whatever, right? We must look at the work of God and appreciate the work of God as He has done it. And He says in verse 21, For if God did not spare the natural branches, He may not spare you either. Hmm, that's very sobering thought, isn't it? If they were cut off, maybe you could be cut off too. Maybe I could be cut off too, right? Therefore, consider the goodness and the severity of God. Verse 22. On those who fell, severity. But toward you, goodness, if you continue in His goodness. Otherwise, you will also be cut off. Now, that verse pretty much speaks for itself. But I want to read it again, just so it sinks in with us here. Therefore, consider the goodness and the severity of God on those who fell severity. In other words, their fall, they rejected the gospel. The ones that did reject, not the elect, not the predestined. They were the ones that received it, right? But the group of Jews that, that rejected it, okay? Severity. But toward us, goodness. But he says, if you continue in his goodness, otherwise you will also be cut off. So we have to stay the course, stay, st stay in the faith, right? Now look back at the end of verse 20 there in light of verse 22. And, and at the end of verse 20 there it says, you stand by faith, do not, do not be haughty, but fear. So in other words, fear. That is reverence. Live out your life with reverence. Continue in the faith. We cannot live a life of willful sin and expect to be saved, right? We're to live with reverence. Now, there is another worse, uh, excuse me, verse that uses the words, if you continue as you see there in verse 22. And we'll look at that now by turning to Colossians chapter 1. Yeah, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So to the right of where we are now. Go on past the Corinthians, past Galatians, past Ephesians. Philippians, Colossians, chapter 1. Colossians 1, verse 21. And you, who once were alienated, and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now... He has reconciled in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and, re and above reproach in His sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, 
Paul became a minister. So you see, no one can or ever will pluck you out of the hand of God, but you can choose not to continue in the faith. And you can choose to walk away. It was by your own free will that you came into the faith. It can be by your own free will that you walk away from it. And not only that, but in the context of the letter to the Romans that we're reading, right? We Gentiles have been grafted into salvation. And we'll stay there, how? By continuing in the faith. And we shouldn't be haughty against Israel, right? And just for your private reading, compare what we're studying today about being grafted in to what Jesus speaks about in John chapter 15. I recommend you read that. John chapter 15. He is the vine and and we are the branches. And what are we to do? We must abide in Him, He said. He's the vine. We are the branches. We must abide in Him. We must stay in Him. Continue in the faith, right? So let's go ahead and turn back to Romans chapter 11. Verse 23, Romans eleven twenty-three, and they also, now Paul is speaking here again about the unbelieving Jews, okay, the non-elect, not the ones that received it, but the ones that reject it, the ones that are hardened. And he says, and they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. Right? So they rejected it. They're not the ones who received it. They weren't the elect. But he's saying, hey, if they do not continue in unbelief, God will graft them in again. For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, you Gentiles, right? Us, right? If we were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are natural branches, right? The ones the gospel, God's chosen to, to, the one who he chose to bring the gospel to in the first place, these who are natural branches, how much more will they be grafted into their own olive tree? Right, so God can call them back Right? And you can be cut out. So what do we do? We live with reverence and fear. We continue in the faith. So, again, pretty self-explanatory here. There were elect, predestined Jews, and there were unbelieving Jews. Because of the elect, the gospel went forth into all the world, and the Gentiles were beneficiaries. The unbelieving Jews have not been cast away by God and can still come to faith in Jesus Christ if they don't continue in their unbelief. So today, the answer is the same for all, whether Jew or Gentile. There's only one way to come to salvation, and that's through faith in Jesus Christ. The answer is the same for the Jew and for the Gentile. Verse 25, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion. Okay, remember, he said, don't be haughty, right? 
And he says, unless you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. So look, starting in verse 25, Paul is reiterating or just simply driving home the point here that we've been talking about this morning. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant. I want to make sure that you understand this. There's something that you really need to understand here. Many of the Jews in in that day were just like many people today, just rejecting the gospel, rejecting Jesus Christ as their Messiah and Lord. But with that rejection, in God's ultimate plan, the opportunity to come to faith in Jesus Christ was offered to Gentiles as well. That is all non-Jewish people. You know, even the disciples of Jesus made the mistake of thinking back in that day that salvation was for the Jews only. Peter was caught up in that. They they made that mistake thinking it was for the Jews only, they thought. Right? The the Messiah was for them and, and no one else. But that wasn't God's plan. God's plan was that that all the people of the world could have the opportunity to be saved if they so desire, if they would come to faith in Jesus Christ. But he brought the Messiah through a certain group of human beings, the Jews, the Israelites, right? That's what he chose to do. But in his great plan, again, only a portion, only an elect of those, of the Jews, would receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the rest of the Jews of that day and age would be hardened or blinded. They were hardened or blinded. They were the non-elect. And what Paul is simply pointing out in these verses here that I just read is that a door is open to the Gentiles by a hardening of the heart of the Jews. Paul preached all of this to the Jews, but when they rejected the gospel and they persecuted him, as we looked at in the book of Acts, right? He went to the Gentiles with a message, all a part of God's plan, and many of them received it. And and in verse 26 there, Paul says, and so all Israel will be saved. Notice there that there's not a period after the word saved there. This is not saying, and so all Israel will be saved, period. No, it says, and so all Israel will be saved as it is written. In other words, in this manner, this is how all Israel will be saved. This is how they can be saved. In what manner? The deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. So Jesus is the way to salvation. He is the deliverer that turns Israel and all Gentiles from ungodliness. If you as a Gentile or someone listening as a Jew want to be saved, you must turn to faith in Jesus Christ. God made this covenant with the fathers long ago, and he wasn't about to break that covenant, right? Verse 27, for this is my covenant with them 
when I take away their sins. Paul is quoting from the prophet Isaiah here, and he continues speaking to the Gentiles here, and he says in verse 28, concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. Now, who were the enemies of the gospel that Paul was speaking of here? Again, I'm making a distinction. It was the hardened Jews, the blinded Jews, the ones that did not receive the gospel the ones that were not the elect, the predestined ones, right? The one, not those ones, right? But concerning the election, right? Verse 28, right? Continues. Now pause right there. Who are the election? Well, the election were the other ones, the unhardened Jews, the ones that did receive the gospel, the, one that is ref- the ones that are referred to as the remnant, the faithful remnant, the ones that did receive the gospel. They are beloved for the sake of the fathers, it says, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. In other words, for the sake of the promise that God made to the fathers of Israel, people like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right, who we've studied about, the elect, right, the the remnant, they did receive the gospel because God promised it. And he wasn't turning his back on that promise. It was an irrevocable promise that the true Israel, the remnant, the elect, would be saved. But there was that other group, all the rest of them, that were hardened. And that's to our benefit. We as Gentiles receive the gospel as a result of that. Verse 30, For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience, right? Paul's reminding us here that we were once disobedient to God, right? Even so, these also have now been disobedient that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. For God has committed them all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. Remember, Paul asked the question, Back in Romans chapter 9 and verse 14, if you remember when we looked at that, he said, what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. So none of this is about some people being predestined to salvation, like I talked about back when we studied chapter 9, as far as in our day and age, Gentiles, right? This is not about some people being predestined to salvation and and some not being predestined to salvation. To the contrary, all of this is about a great plan of God to offer salvation to all the world, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. God has not cast off Israel, nor will the Jews, nor can the Jews be saved today apart from Jesus Christ. There is one way to salvation. There's only one name given under heaven whereby men can be saved, Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says, right? And that's Jesus Christ. One way to a right standing with God, and that's through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And God, in His awesome plan, this awesome plan is still unfolding, and people still continue to hear the gospel and to receive the gospel and people still continue to reject the gospel of Jesus Christ today. 
And Paul's talking about this plan and he's pointing it out and he's driving it home and he doesn't want them ignorant about it and we're not to be ignorant about it. And he says of this whole plan in verse 33, oh, the depths and the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. In other words, only God works something like this out in the way that he does, right? How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor? If we're not careful, sometimes we can put ourselves in, our, in a position where we think we know the mind of the Lord, where we can be his counselor, like where we can work it out. We can come up with doctrines and all kinds of things, right? Or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him? For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. So God is great and marvelous, and He has a great and a marvelous plan. He has gone to the greatest lengths to offer salvation today to whomsoever will come to Jesus. And today, today, those of you who have come to Jesus, we must continue in the faith. We must fight the fight. We must run the race. We must stay the course. We must walk in reverence and obedience to the Word of God, right? As we talked about earlier, we got to continue in the faith. And for those that have not come to salvation in Jesus Christ, then today is the day that you can choose to not remain, remain with a hardened heart and a blinded heart and a willfully disobedient heart. And you can be grafted in. And you can come into the body of Christ. You can repent of your sin and call on the name of Jesus today. Because again, it's all a part of God's great and wonderful plan. Right? He's not willing that any should perish. And he so loved the world that he went to the greatest of lengths. He gave his only begotten son that whomsoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. And we must come to faith in Jesus and we must remain in the faith and continue in the faith all the way to the end and live a life of reverence. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, again, we thank you for this opportunity. It's short, Lord. This time is short that we gather on a Sunday morning like this and we have a whole week ahead of us, Lord. But the good news is, is you are with us always. You will never leave us nor forsake us. The question is, is where are we? Are our eyes fixed on you, Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith? Are we fixed on you, Lord? Are we living this life as obedient servants of yours, disciples, continuing day by day to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of you? Or are we living this life in accordance with the desires of our flesh and our mind? Have we been blinded ourselves by certain things in this world, maybe, God? God, you know our hearts. You know the heart of, of every one of us here this morning and of those that listen over the Internet. Lord, I pray your will to be done in our hearts and minds, God, that we would surrender more each and every day and have a desire to seek you to seek first as our priority the kingdom of God, to place you above all else. God, let your will be done in our hearts, Lord, 
But God, forgive us for those times we don't submit to your will. And if that's the case for any of us, Lord, here this morning, I pray that more of our lives would be committed to you today, Lord, to your will being done. God, thank you again for this opportunity of fellowship. We pray your blessings upon our week ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.